السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما باب الاستحاضه الاستحاضه is you can say false menstruation it's not really hayd it's not really menstruation but it's like menstruation and it's also understood as the bleeding which is between <coughs> menstrual periods so basically istihada is bleeding that is other than hayd and other than nifas hayd is at its own time and nifas is after childbirth so what is other than that that is istihada so basically vaginal bleeding that is other than hayd and nifas is istihada and this word is also from hayd if you think about it the root is the same and what's the bab which bab is it istif'al and one of the meanings that bab istif'al gives is of mubalagha so this shows that istihada is a hayd which has a lot of mubalagha in it meaning it's a prolonged period bleeding that is abnormally long abnormally heavy so it's an abnormally prolonged abnormally heavy period this is what istihada is and istif'al also has a meaning of talab in it So it's like seeking, right? So istihada is the state which tries to be like hayd, but it's not actually hayd. So this is why it's understood as false menstruation. And in fiqh, istihada is described as the flowing of blood from the private part of the woman at the time which is not right, meaning at the time when she's not menstruating. So it's basically non-menstrual vaginal bleeding. It is also said that istihada is istimraru dam an mar'a when a woman is constantly bleeding meaning continuous bleeding from the vagina so basically when the bleeding does not stop at all or it stops only for a short span of time so one is that a woman is spotting occasionally and the other is that her period before it begins let's say a week or 10 days before the period actually begins she starts bleeding and then after her periods is supposed to end she continues to bleed so this is how it becomes istihada that it's a prolonged period it's a heavy period it's abnormally long and she's constantly bleeding and it stops in the month for either a few days or it doesn't stop at all for some women they bleed continuously for months and months without any break in the middle and for others they do get a break for a few days in the middle and for some it's more than that and remember that istihada it differs from hayd it differs from hayd meaning the blood of istihada differs from the blood of hayd in different ways first of all in its smell secondly in its thickness and thirdly in its color inshallah we'll discuss that later but medically istihada the medical term for that is menorrhagia that's the medical term for it and menorrhagia is an abnormally heavy and prolonged period and there are many causes behind this primarily there are two causes first of all disorders of coagulation basically when you have a cut or a wound and you're bleeding then what happens eventually the blood coagulates and as a result the bleeding will stop now remember that what happens in a period the endometrial lining which has thickened because of the hormones that have been released from the ovaries eventually if pregnancy will not take place that lining will shed now once that lining has been shed towards the end what should happen there should be coagulation inside so that the bleeding will stop but when that does not happen properly then the bleeding does not stop and even though the lining has been shed the uterus continues to bleed so it's like you can say that the uterus is bleeding then 
you can say it's like internal bleeding. And this is the reason why the blood changes, the characteristics change completely. And this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ, he described it as damul irq, the blood of a vein, meaning it's bleeding, it's not the shedding of the lining. Another reason is that because of some hormonal imbalance, the lining which is normally shed during the period never gets the signal to stop thickening. So basically that process is ongoing. It's constantly thickening and it's constantly shedding. Sometimes more, sometimes less. So there are various reasons behind that. And this is the reason why istihadah can be in the form of constant bleeding. It can be in the form of occasional spotting, dispersed spotting throughout the month. It can be for several days before the actual period begins and it can continue after the period ends even. And a woman can have istihadah for several months in a row. And sometimes it's just occasional that all of a sudden the period is not ending. And like I said earlier, istihadah differs from haid. In which ways? In three ways. First of all, in the color. The color of haid, the blood of haid is dark. And the blood of istihadah is light. It's like you can say more red. You know, this is just like when you get a cut on your finger. What will the color of that blood be like? It's different from the blood of haid. The blood which comes out from other parts of the body on account of a cut or a wound, then that is more red. And the blood of haid is darker. Secondly, it's different in its thickness. The blood of haid is thick, it's ghalil. And the blood of istihadah is thin, it is raqiq. Just like a nosebleed, the blood is thin. And the blood of haid is much thicker. And the third difference is in the smell. The blood of haid has its own particular smell, like a bad smell. And the blood of istihadah doesn't smell, or it smells like normal blood. So the difference is also in the smell. So there are three differences. What are they? In the color, the thickness, the texture you can say, and thirdly, in the smell. And remember the three kinds of istihadah. One kind of istihadah is that a woman, she used to have her regular period before, and then all of a sudden she began having istihadah. So for five years, for ten years since she started her, her hayl, she had regular monthly periods, and then all of a sudden her period does not end, or it's abnormally prolonged. So basically she will be able to distinguish between her hayl and her istihadah. Based on what? These three characteristics. She will check. Is the color different? Is the texture different? Is the smell different? So when she sees the signs of hayd, she will consider that to be hayd. When she sees the signs of istihadah, she will consider that to be istihadah. The second kind of istihadah is that when a woman has experienced istihadah from the first time she got her hayd, and this happens with some women, that once they begin their menstruation, they're always constantly bleeding. Sometimes a lot, sometimes little, but constantly they are, you know, bleeding. Sometimes it's just spotting, but it's always there. And she is able to distinguish between the blood of Hayd and the blood of Istihadah. Because you know that Hayd comes with other symptoms as well. Isn't that so? PMS. There's so many other symptoms that Hayd is accompanied with. Recently somebody mentioned to me that they had their surgery done, the uterus was removed, but still a part of it was left. And because of that, they still have their period. Meaning there are certain days of the month where they will bleed, where they will have just few spots, and for three, four days only, but they come with all the other symptoms like cramps and you know, the irritability and everything is there. So the woman, what will she do? She will look at the signs. When the signs are present, she will consider that to be hayd. And when the signs are not there, she will consider that to be istihada. The third kind of istihada is that when a woman is not able to distinguish between the blood of hayd and the blood of istihada, 
she is not able to distinguish. Then in that case, what will she do? What she will do is she will consider hail. She will basically look back that when did she start her hail? Let's say she started her hail on the fifth day of the month. So on the fifth day of every month, she will consider that her hail has begun. On average, the women in her family, they menstruate for seven days. So she will consider her period for seven days. And for the rest of the time, she will consider it to be istihada. Okay? For the rest of the time, she will consider it to be istihada. Now remember that non-menstrual vaginal bleeding can be due to various reasons. You know, one is istihada, this is an illness. But we see that other women also, they experience occasional spotting. So what is that? That is sometimes leftover uterine lining from the previous period that was not shed completely. Which is why you will see that sometimes the color is dark brown, or it's almost black, or it's a weird color, like maybe even yellowish brown. Why? Because leftover blood or a wound that has healed eventually, then the blood that will come out or the pus, then obviously it will be discolored. So it is basically leftover uterine lining that was not shed at the time of the period. And eventually it shed. And what should you do about it? You should not give any importance to it. You should ignore it, meaning don't worry about it. It has not broken your wudu. It has not made you impure. You don't have to take a bath. You can pray, inshallah. And inshallah, we will learn about this, that Umm Atiyah, she said that we would disregard any such bleeding after the period was over. Because for example, a woman has her head for seven days. Clear, you know, no more bleeding, nothing. She takes a bath. Two days later, she's a red spot or a brownish red spot, then what is she supposed to do? She is going to ignore it because this was just some leftover uterine lining that was not shed properly. Then we see that sometimes there could be cuts in the vagina or even in the uterus that can cause this bleeding and injury. And sometimes there is also some disease and sometimes hormonal imbalance, a change in contraceptive methods that are being used. Because of that also there can be occasional bleeding. So what should a woman do? Ignore that. She will look at the signs of hayd, if they are present. And what are the signs of hayd at its regular time? Secondly, the characteristics, then she will have to look at that. If those signs are present, then she will consider that to be hayd. If they are not present, then she will consider that to be istihada. And remember that there are many, many reasons behind uh, vaginal bleeding. But if it's something persistent, then a woman should get herself checked because this is not something that's normal. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة أنها قالت قالت فاطمة بنت أبي حبيش فاطمة بنت أبو حبيش she said لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا رسول الله إني لا أطهر she said O Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم I do not become clean meaning I'm always bleeding sometimes a lot sometimes a little constantly I have spotting so what should I do أفأدع الصلاة should I just leave the salah should I not pray Because for some women, they bleed on average every single day or every other day. So she doesn't know when she's clean, when she's not clean. So she said, should I just leave the prayer? فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So he replied, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكِ عِرْقٌ Indeed, that is عِرْق وَلَيْسَ بِالْحَيْضَ And it is not حَيْضَ Meaning this is bleeding that is coming from some vein. And this is not حَيْض, this is not period. فَإِذَا أَقْبَلَتِ الْحَيْضَ So when the حَيْض comes, فَتْرُكِ الصَّلَاةَ Then leave the prayer. فَإِذَا ذَهَبَ قَدْرُهَا And when its estimated time is over, قَدْرُهَا It's average time. Then what should you do? فَغْسِلِي عَنْكِ الدَّمْ Then wash away the blood from you. وَصَلِّي And pray. So what does this hadith teach us? That when a woman is constantly bleeding, she's never clean basically, then 
she will only leave her prayer at the time of hayd. And when will she determine the time of hayd? By the characteristics. And how long will she consider to be hayd? It's qadr. And what is the qadr? On average, how much did she have her period for before this problem started? Like a woman says, you know, when I was younger, I always had been period for six days. So consider it to be six days. A woman says, I always had it for eight days. Consider it to be eight days. For example, a woman does not know because from the beginning, she's always had irregular period. Then what will she do? She will look at how the women in her family do. Some, you know, in her family, seven days, eight days, what's the average? So she will consider that to be the qadr of her hayd. And once that qadr is over, even though she is bleeding, what will she do? Take a bath, فَغْسِلِ عَنْكِ الدَّمْ This dam refers to the blood of hayd. So she will wash away the blood of hayd and then salli. And then she can pray. Bab غَسْلِ دَمِ الْحَيْضِ Washing off the menstrual blood. But before we continue, one more thing that we must understand is that a woman who has istihada, what will she leave of ibadah? What ibadah will she leave? What act of worship will she leave? A woman who is having istihada, she will leave salah? No, she will leave nothing. Because if she's praying, then she's also doing other things. So if she's gone for hajj, for example, will she do tawaf? Yes, she will. If it's the month of Ramadan, will she fast? Yes, she will. If she wants to do irtikaf, can she do that? Yes, she can. So acts of worship, she will do. Even when it comes to sexual intercourse, she can have it. She can have it. Because it's only prohibited when? Fil mahid. Not outside of mahid. And istihada is not mahid. There is a difference of opinion concerning that. Some scholars have said that she has to perform wudu every time because that's what the scholars of the past said. If you remember, we read this hadith earlier in Kitab al-Wudu. And in that, uh, Hisham narrated from his father who said that, that she should do wudu before every salah. But other scholars have said that no, it is not necessary. Because this bleeding does not break your wudu. Meaning it does not enter you in a state of impurity. Because a woman who is having istihada, she can even do irtikaf. She can even pray. And during irtikaf, it cannot be perceived that she's walking out constantly to wash herself, to clean herself. It's best if she does, but it's not obligated on her. That sometimes it happens that when a woman is going through menopause, even before that, once the bleeding begins, it just does not stop. Uh, somebody mentioned to me that during their pregnancy, they bled so much that, that you know nothing was sufficient to contain that bleeding. It's an illness. Obviously, it's going to cause a lot of weakness with all that blood loss. She should consult a doctor because if you're having that much blood loss on a regular basis, it's going to cause a huge problem. It can cause a woman to become anemic, very low iron level. So your regular period is for a week. But before that, you start spotting, okay, for like three, four days. You will consider that as istihada. Likewise, if you continue to have spotting afterwards, then again, you will consider that to be istihada. And the characteristics that were mentioned, that the difference between the blood of Hayd and the blood of istihada, remember, it's not necessary that it's always the same. This is just a guideline. Because sometimes the blood of istihada can be dark. Likewise, the blood of istihada can be in the form of clots as well. It can be thicker. So this is just what happens in, you can say, majority cases. Okay? There are exceptions. Always. Bab ghasli damil mahid. Washing off the menstrual blood. Mahid is what? Same as hayd. It's mustar and the word applies to hayd as well. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن هشام عن فاطمة بنت المنذر عن أسماء بنت أبي بكر أنها قالت سألت امرأة a woman asked from who رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت so she said يا رسول الله she asked a question and she said أرأيت 
have you seen? And this is an expression which means Akhbirni. Remember? Uh, inform me. Uh, please tell me. Uh, this is literally it means have you seen, have you considered? But what this expression means is Akhbirni, meaning inform me. That Araita Ihdana that one of us Ida Asaba Thawbahaddamu that when blood reaches her garment, minal haida from menstruation, meaning when menstrual blood falls on her clothes, كيف تصنر? What should she do? How should she deal with it? فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم So he replied, إذا أصاب ثوب إحدى كن الدم When blood falls on the clothes of one of you, من الحيضة of menstruation, then فلتقرصه ثم لتمضحه بماء ثم لتصلي فيه First of all, فلتقرصه تقرصه from قاف را صاد قرص قرصة is to basically shape something into a round. So for example, you have your scarf, you gather it together, so you make it like a like a ball. So basically the part that is stained, you gather that together so that the part that is stained is just hanging outside. And then qars is to scratch. So basically to rub it. So to bring the garment together, especially where the blood is, and then rub it off. So that whatever has dried can fall off. Okay, so you're basically removing it. And then, ثُمَّ لِتَنْضَحُ بِمَاءٍ Then she should wash it with water. تَنْضَحُ نَضَحَ is to sprinkle, to spray, to splash, and also means to soak. Okay, so basically you're wetting it. Whether you are pouring water over it, or you're soaking it into something, whatever means you're adopting, تَنْضَحُ you're basically rinsing it, washing it off with water. And then, ثُمَّ لِتُصَلِّي فِيهِ Then she should go on and pray in it. Meaning, then that garment is clean and she can easily pray in that. So, the question was basically that can a woman, if the clothes are stained like that, how should she clean them and can she pray in them? So, she can pray but only after the clothes have been cleaned. And when will the clothes be clean? When the blood has been removed. And its traces, meaning the blood, if it has you know, stained the cloth, then that stain has to be removed too. It doesn't mean that the traces have to be removed completely because sometimes you will wash off the blood, but still the red will be there, the stain will be there, and people all over do not have detergents and bleaches and so on and so forth. So even if the stain remains, that's not a problem. Inshallah, I'll tell you the hadith later about that. حدثنا أصبغ قال أخبرني ابن وهب قال أخبرني عمر بن الحارث عن عبد الرحمن بن القاسم حدثه عن أبيه عن عائشة قالت she said that كانت إحدانا تحيض one of us would have her حيض ثم تقترص الدم then she would rub off the blood من ثوبها from her clothes عند طهرها at the time of her طهر meaning when she would become clean meaning when her period would end then what would she do? she would rub off the blood from the clothes and then فتغسله then she would wash it وَتَنْضَحُ عَلَى سَائِرِهِ And then she would sprinkle or spray water on all of it, meaning on the rest of the cloth. ثُمَّ تُصَلِّ فِيهِ And then she would go on and pray in it. There are a number of things that we learn here. First of all, we see that it's better to scrape off, to rub off the najasa from something before washing it. Why? Because if you directly pour water over it, then it will spread. And you will need more water. Isn't that so? And more area to clean. When the najasa is in a particular place, then it's best to remove it and then pour water. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, what was his sunnah most of the time after using the washroom? That first istijmar and then 
istinja. First remove the filth and then pour water on it. Because then you're using little water. It's a much better way of cleaning. So whether it is area that you're cleaning, a rug, a cloth, your body, whatever you're cleaning, what's the best way? First remove the najasa and then pour water. Then we also see over here that the women of the Sahaba, the majority of them did not have many clothes. Okay, They did not have some specific clothes for hayd. And that shows you know, the amount of possessions that they had, the clothes that they had. Because she would have her period in those clothes and then she would go on and pray in those clothes. Typically, what do we do? We just remove the clothes and wash them. Or if they're only to be dry cleaned, then we keep them only for the time when we're menstruating and we won't wear them otherwise. Right? This is what some women do. But we see that when a woman has only one pair of clothes or two pair of clothes, and what can she do? She has to figure out how to clean them so that she can wear them at all times. Secondly, we learn in this hadith that the blood of hayl is impure. Even if it is very little, even if it's just a drop, it is still najis. And when it is najis, then it has to be removed. It has to be removed. A woman has to wash it off so that she can pray in it. Because see what has been mentioned over here? She would clean it and then she would go on to pray in it. It's not correct to pray in clothes that are stained with menstrual blood. Now, remember that it's not necessary to keep separate clothing for the time of menstruation. Okay, It's not necessary. It might be more convenient, but it's not necessary. So if, for example, a woman is wearing a certain pair of pants or they're you know, bed sheets on the bed. She doesn't have to change them when the period ends. However, if there is a stain on it, then she has to clean it. How? There are three steps. First of all, scrape off. Secondly, pour water. And thirdly, sprinkle on the rest of the garment. First of all, scrape off. The Prophet ﷺ told the woman, حُكِّيهِ بِضَلِعٍ وَغْسِلِيهِ بِمَاءٍ وَسِدْرٍ that scrub it off with a stick, meaning use something to scrape off the blood, the najasa, and then wash it with water and lotus. So it shows that you should use whatever detergent or anything that you have in order to make the area fresh as well, and nice smelling as well. The second step is pour water, even if it's very little. But pour water. Why pour water? In order to rid of the blood completely. And it does not matter if the blood stains remain visible. As long as you poured some water, that's sufficient. The Prophet ﷺ said to a woman that يَكْفِيكِ غَسْلُ الدَّمِ وَلَا يَضُرُّكِ أَثَرُهَا That it should suffice you to wash the blood and its stains will not do you any harm. So if you have washed off but the stains have remained, that stain doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about it. And the third step is sprinkle on the rest of the garment. Why sprinkle on the rest of the garment? Like, you know, for example, the part that is stained, you just scrub it off, wash it off completely. But the rest of it, why sprinkle water on the rest of it? That if, for example, you have some waswasa, you know, then you can be confident that this is clean. Secondly, it might have a bad smell to it, or it might not feel fresh. So when you sprinkle water on it, you know, you're kind of making it fresh. Because remember that sprinkling water does not necessarily remove najasa. And there is no najasa there anyway. So why are you sprinkled just to freshen up the clothes? One more thing that we see in this hadith is that it was mentioned in the tuhriha, that at the time of tuhr, then she would clean. So this shows the permissibility of leaving najasa on clothes until there is a need to purify them. So if for example, a woman is wearing clothes and she is menstruating and 
let's say the blood got onto her pants or something. And she intends to, to clean up, but she doesn't get the chance to. Does she have to wash off immediately? She doesn't need to. She doesn't have to until there is a need. And when is that need? That when she has to pray salah. Because it's possible that if she has heavy bleeding, then she will know that her clothes will get stained again. So then she will have to keep washing, keep cleaning. And if it's too difficult upon her, then she should not impose difficulty on herself. She can just leave the cleaning off until the end. For good hygiene, and uh, it's it's best to keep yourself clean even throughout your period. But if it's causing a burden on someone, then it's not necessary. There are many ways that can be adopted to remove the stains. And it's best that the stains are removed because then you feel clean. But if the stains are not removed and the person has to wear them during salah, then don't worry too much about it. Then another thing we learn in this hadith is, ثُمَّ صَلِّي فِيهِ Then she was told, then pray in those clothes. So it's not allowed to pray in clothes that are contaminated with najasa. It's not permissible. باب الْإِعْتِكَافِ لِلْمُسْتَحَاضَةِ اعْتِكَاف for the mustahada, meaning the woman who is having, who is experiencing istihada. Can she do Irtikaf? Yes, she can. Why? Because istihada is not hayd. It is different from hayd. And therefore, the regulations of hayd do not apply to istihada. Hayd, you can say, is a state of impurity in the sense that a woman will not pray at that time. And that she needs ghusl. But a woman who has istihada, she's not in a state of impurity. She can pray. She has to pray, in fact. So when she can pray, that means she can even perform all the other acts of worship. And that includes irtikaf. Even though she is bleeding, even though she may be bleeding profusely, still she can. And the blood of istihada, some have said that it is najis, and this seems to be the majority opinion, the stronger opinion, but still a woman can go to the masjid. Because obviously, where is irtikaf done? In the masjid. So even though there is blood of istihada, yes. Even though that blood may be unclean, yes. She just has to make sure that she does not contaminate the masjid. But otherwise, there is no harm. حدثنا إسحاق قال حدثنا خالد بن عبد الله عن خالد عن عكرمة عن عائشة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اعتكف. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم اعتكف. He did اعتكاف. معه بعض نسائه. Along with him were some of his wives. Meaning some wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم also did اعتكاف that year in the masjid. And this wife in particular, Wahiya Mustahada, she was in the state of istihada. Taraddam, she would see the blood. Meaning it wasn't just a little bit of spotting, but it was actually a lot of bleeding. Farubbama, and many times, wada'at tasta. She would place a tasta, the wash basin, you can say like a big bowl or a tub or something like that. She would place it tahtaha under herself, minadam, because of the blood. Because she would bleed so much that no cloth, no menstrual pad would be sufficient. And it happens with some women that the blood continues to flow, like as though a tap has been opened up. It just flows and flows and flows uncontrollably. So this is how she would bleed. But she wanted to do irtikaf, so she did it. But what did she do? She placed a wash basin under herself so that the blood would collect over there and the masjid would not get dirty. Wazarma and the narrator, meaning Ikrima, he uh, asserted that Anna ra'atma al-usfur. That Aisha anha, she saw the water of usfur. Usfur is safflower, it's a particular kind of flower. So she saw its extract. 
or its oil you can say and the color of that was yellowish brown فقالت, so she said that so and so woman she would find blood or discharge that was something like this the color of which was something like this so she compared the blood of istihada like that of safflower liquid yellowish brown so for some women it may be pink and for others it may be brownish in color حدثنا قتيبة قال حدثنا يزيد بن زريع عن خالد عن إكرمة عن عائشة قالت she said اعتكفت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم امرأة من أزواجه one of the women from his wives she did اعتكاف with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فكانت تردم والصفرة and she would see blood as well as صفرة meaning as well as yellowish discharge so sometimes it would be very pink other times it would be dull in its color so she would see and it happens that you see a range of colors وَالطَّسْتُ تَحْتَهَا And the tust would be under her. Meaning the wash basin would be under her. وَهِيَ تُصَلِّ And she would also pray. وَهِيَ تُصَلِّ does not mean that she will pray while standing in the tust. Because then how would she do sajda? But what it means is that she would spend her time, most of all, sitting in the wash basin. If she would sit, she would not sit on the floor, but she would sit in that basin. And in her istihada, she would also pray. Meaning istihada did not prevent her from praying. Istihada did not prevent her from praying. So perhaps when she felt that the blood was slightly controllable or that she could wear some kind of garment or something, then she would go on and pray. Otherwise, she would spend her time in the fast. Now there are many things that can be learned over here. That First of all, we see that if due to illness, a woman is bleeding so much that no menstrual pad is enough, or if a person is suffering from salsal bowl, meaning when urine is constantly dripping, meaning a person has problems with their urine, they cannot control it, then they should not delay their prayer, they should not leave their prayer. They will pray as they are, even though they may be bleeding, and even though the urine may be dripping. Because for some people it's beyond their control. They use the washroom right before praying salah. They wash themselves up. They do wudu. But still, the drops come. It's not in their control. So in that case, will they leave the prayer? No. Will they delay their prayer? No. They will pray as they are, even though they may be bleeding and even though the urine drops may be falling out. Because remember that deen is for all people, for those who are ill and those who are healthy. Those who are suffering from a chronic condition and those who are not. It's for all people. And just because someone has an illness does not mean that they should remain in this guilt, this feeling of you know uneasiness. No. You should have this confidence that even though I may be bleeding, it's not in my control, but I will pray still. And I'm not at fault. Also we see here that her istihada did not prevent her from irtikaf. And such istihada, that so much blood is coming out. If a woman has a heavy period, what does she do? Lays in bed all the time. Or is just sitting on the couch or not doing anything. Yes, definitely the cramps are there. Understandable. But does mean that you do nothing? Sometimes I see that girls are, you know, they have really bad cramps or something and they're sitting in the cafeteria sipping on tea. And I say that at least, you know, listen to the class. You can take notes. Okay, get up, walk a little bit, sit down, lie down a little, but don't leave the class. Something that you have to do, you have to do. I mean, you take rest for some time, but then you get up and move on. And never look at yourself as a victim whether it's an illness or a circumstance or whatever, never look at yourself as a victim. Because once you start looking at yourself as a victim, then your morale will be down and you won't be able to do anything at all. Always look at such you know, illness or whatever as a challenge. That okay, now how do we solve it? How do we deal with it? Okay, what can I do about it?
I remember when I was expecting, I had extreme nausea. And there were times when I would be trying to walk into class and I'd be like, my mother was here. I was like, I can't go. She said, it's okay. Put this in your mouth and go to class. And if you have to throw up this, walk out of class. And I would sit in class with a small bowl and a bag that in case I have to throw up, I don't want to dirty the carpet. It was always here. You guys never saw, but it was always here. Why? Because what you have to do, you have to do, right? And the thing is that once you start looking at the problem, then it becomes even bigger for you. I mean, look at this great woman. She is bleeding profusely. She's sitting in a wash basin in her tent in the masjid. I want to do irtikaf. I'm going to do it. When you suffer more, you get more reward, right? That after a childbirth, a woman is bleeding for 40 days almost. But throughout that time, she's waking up every two hours, every three hours to nurse the baby, to change the baby, to burp the baby. So much so that her arms may be hurting, but she's dealing with the bleeding, right? I mean, it's there. It's hurting. She's uncomfortable, but okay, how can I deal with it? Right? This is your attitude then. Focus is something else. Exactly. Don't make your illness or your pain the focus. Don't make it a focus. Like for example, if you're sick and you have to eat, do you focus on the pain or do you focus on the food? On the food. You don't stop eating just because you're sick. So likewise, you don't stop doing what you have to do just because you are unwell. That it shows the open-heartedness of the Prophet ﷺ and the rest of the people that even though the wife of the Prophet ﷺ was bleeding profusely, still they let her do irtikaf in the masjid because she can. So when someone can, even though they may have a condition, you know, they should be allowed to as long as the arrangements are there. They had the arrangements, a wash basin. If the arrangements cannot be made, then obviously you don't want the person to suffer and you don't want the masjid to suffer. And you don't want the rest of the people to suffer either. So you always have to look at the big picture. If you can accommodate someone, then you accommodate them. But if you cannot accommodate them, then you don't want to you know, harm them or harm yourself. Imagine that she went ahead and did irtikaf. And if she hadn't, then how would we know? Self-pity affects your productivity. Obviously, when a woman is in irtikaf, she is uh, in a separate, you can say, tent. So the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, they had pitched tents in the masjid. So these days you have cubicles, because each person should have some kind of seclusion. Husband and wife should not be in the same cubicle, because kind of defeats the purpose. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا معتمر عن خالد عن عكرمة عن عائشة أن بعض أمهات المؤمنين اعتكفت وهي مستحاضة That some of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, they did i'tikaf while they had istihad. And based on this, some scholars have said that non-menstrual vaginal bleeding does not invalidate wudu or prayer. Because if a woman is in i'tikaf, she is praying while she's bleeding, that, that means that this kind of bleeding does not invalidate People say that there is no irtikaf for women. Of course, women can do irtikaf. And even if a woman is having istihada, still she can do irtikaf. It's, it's a clear evidence. But again, when the arrangements are there, if a masjid does not have that facility, they can only accommodate men. They don't have a place where they can accommodate women. They don't have separate washrooms. They don't have a separate kitchen for them. They don't have a separate area where they can, you know, recite Quran comfortably and pray comfortably then they have the right to say no. But if the accommodations are there, then a woman should not be refused. Sometimes a family says, woman is not supposed to do irtikaf. This is a clear evidence that she can. But definitely you need the permission from your family.
باب هل تصلي المراه في ثوب حاضت فيه هل تصلي المراه كان وومن براي في ثوب ان كلوز حاضت فيه ان which she had her hayd earlier we learned that some women had only one pair of clothes right so if a woman has only one pair of clothes then obviously when her hayd will be over she will have to pray her salah when she prays her salah can she keep those clothes on in which she had her hayd yes she can what's the condition those clothes have to be clean Now, alhamdulillah, we have many clothes. We don't have this problem. But you could be in a situation where, let's say you come to the institute, you go to a masjid or something for a class. You're having your period. And you find out when you get there that your period is over. It's finished. And it's supposed to end on that day. You come here at 9 in the morning. 11 o'clock you find out. Okay. Your ride comes at 3. And let's say it's winter. By that time, Zuhur will be gone. Even also might be too late by the time you get home. And there is a shower stall, so you can technically take a shower. Okay, and you should make use of it when it's been built for this purpose specifically. Alhamdulillah for the shower stall in the masjid. So anyway, you can take a shower, but do you have a fresh pair of clothes? You don't. You don't have fresh clothes, right? So can you take a shower and put those clothes back on again? Yes, you can. As long as they're not stained with blood. And if they're stained with blood, then you just clean them the way the procedure is described in the hadith. Because if you don't, then you are missing your salah. And that's something you're not allowed to do. So can a woman pray in the clothes in which she had her hayd? Yes, she can. And she should if that is the only option. But she has to clean the clothes. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا إبراهيم بن نافع عن ابن أبي نجيح عن مجاهد قال هي سد قالت عائشة عائشة رضي الله عنها she said ما كانت لإحدانا إلا ثوب واحد one of us would not have except just one pair of clothes تحيض فيه she would menstruate in it فإذا أصابه شيء من دم then when something of blood would fall on it meaning when it would get stained by blood قالت بريقها she would spit on it okay ريقها ريق is the saliva فقصعته and then she would scrape it off قصار is basically to crush mash squash something so she would scrape it off بغفرها with her nails so basically she would use her saliva or something she would wet her finger with her saliva and then she would wet that area and then scrape it off in order to clean it Now this hadith has been understood in a number of ways. First of all, the single garment that women possessed, the single garment is not referring to one single dress, but rather it is referring to one single garment that was reserved for hayd, that a woman would wear while she was menstruating. So you're talking about a menstrual pad. Um Salama, the hadith that we learned earlier, it was mentioned that she was lying down when her hayd began so she got up to get her garment for hayd and what does that refer to her menstrual pad so in this hadith thawbun wahidun refers to the menstrual pad that a woman would have only one menstrual pad she could not afford to get two or three and she would obviously reuse them so she had to be very careful in the way that she would use it so how would she use it that if it would get stained by blood she would immediately try to clean it how with a wet finger or something as the blood would dry up she would remove that and then with her saliva or something she would 
you know, make it wet or something so that she could use that menstrual pad for a long time. She could use it for, let's say, a day or two or three days. Otherwise, if she did not care about cleaning it as her period went on, then by the end of a day or two, she would have nothing left. So this is how they would continue to clean it every day. This is one interpretation of this hadith. The second interpretation is that Sawan Wahid refers to their clothes, their dress, their clothes. And when a woman is wearing her clothes in her head, sometimes her clothes even get stained by blood, her, her pants or whatever, they can get stained by blood, right? So when they would get stained by blood and the blood would be very little, let's say a drop here, just a little bit, a droplet here or there, very small, then she would clean it in this manner. Now, some scholars, based on this hadith, they have said that this hadith does not mean that you can purify clothes without the use of water. Because the intention here was not to purify the garment for salah, but it was just to remove the trace of blood, just so that they could use it for a longer period of time. And secondly, this does not mean, they said that a woman can pray in clothes that are stained with blood. Because if you remove with saliva just a little bit, I mean, you didn't really rinse it. So it's still stained. So they said you cannot pray in such clothes. But other scholars said that, you know, it's understood that her clothes were clean. But they said that, no, salah is not mentioned here. The intent of cleaning was not to clean them for salah. You understand? Perhaps this was the women's habit throughout the time of hayd. Or perhaps the blood was very little or just, just a drop or something like that. But other scholars, they said that, no, this hadith does prove that najasa can be cleaned without water, without the use of water even. Because it's not just this hadith, but there are many other texts which prove that water is not necessary for purification. Purification can be done with any other means, as long as as at the end the najasa is removed and the area has become clean. Like for example, if a person does not have access to water and they're using the washroom, after that from the sunnah we learn, istijmal. What is istijmal? That you... Wipe off the najasa. So you're not using water over there. What are you using? A rock. What are you using? Toilet paper. So you just remove the najasa by wiping off. You're not using even a drop of water. But if the najasa is removed, purification. Do you have it? You do. Purification has been attained. So purification can be attained with water and also through other means. As long as the area the garment, the body is clean. Whether you're using antibacterial wipes, okay, or you're using dry cleaning liquid, because that's not water, it's some special kind of liquid that they use, or it is, uh, you know, using rocks or whatever, a stick, anything. As long as you're able to remove the najasa, then that is completely fine. But remember that if the najasa is a lot, like in this hadith, you know, if it's just a blood, if it's just a, a drop of blood, it's understandable that you can use the saliva or just a wet finger to clean. But if it's a lot, if it's a lot, then I'm sorry, wetting the finger and passing a wet hand over will not be sufficient. You have to rinse it. Correct? So you have to look at the situation always. You have to look at the situation. Now, for example, you're cleaning your toilet bowl, the toilet seat. What do you use? You pour water over if you use that, if you do that, how will you get the water off the floor? You don't have drains over here, right? In many places, you don't have drains. So what do you do? Hmm? 
you wipe it with some wipes or something you'll take a sponge and then you'll take a wet cloth and you'll pass that over you did not pour water you used an antibacterial wipe you did not use water but has that place been purified yes it has been purified even though you did not pour water yes but remember we learned earlier that the smell should not be there the color especially in water should not be there but remember when it comes to blood or something the stain will remain so those are the things that you have to consider whether it's you cleaning yourself or a baby wipe same thing so remember that water is best for purification but if water is not available or if the najasa is very little or it's not possible to use water over there then can you use other means to purify yes you can as long as purification is obtained and what if a woman is in a situation where there is no water so she cannot clean at all over here maybe in this hadith that Aisha radhiyallahu anha narrated there was only a drop of blood or something what if there is a lot of blood and there is no water then what do you do and you have no other clothes then what do you do then you're like muttar right someone who is compelled you don't have the choice so then you will pray however you are you know just like if a person is is unable to determine the direction of the qibla what will they do they will pray however you know they can to the best of their knowledge a person does not have access to water they are in the state of janaba they cannot take ghusl they cannot do wudu what can they do tayammum but their bodies may still be dirty they may still have najasa on their body on their clothes again tayammum is sufficient why because the situation is beyond your control but when you are able to clean when there is water available then you don't have a choice you have to clean so for example you're at the masjid there is a shower stall there is soap there is water then can you delay your prayer until you get home you cannot you will shower there you will pray in those clothes and if those clothes are stained anywhere you will remove the stain okay subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh